0: Welcome back to Take On. We are giving weekly uploads a stab. So initially when I started the podcast, I wanted to do bi-weekly uploads, but I've been feeling so motivated and so inspired working on the podcast that I have a lot of content ready to go. And I thought, why not give weekly a try? We'll see how it goes. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this week's episode. It is with Michael Angelo. He is an absolute beauty powerhouse. He's also a fantastic photographer and has some really amazing projects coming out in November that I'm so excited for you all to check out. And Michael was really open and really candid on this podcast and I know I had some things that I wrote in my journal to really remember, especially there is a reference about three buckets at some point in the podcast, and I actually did an entire journal prompt having to do with that after I filmed this episode with him. So I hope that you feel as inspired by listening to what Michael has to say as I do, and I am excited for you guys to listen. I'm so excited to have Michael on today, and I think you guys will get some really valuable takeaways from hearing about his story and his journey. So Michael, let's just jump right back in time and talk about building your career and the path that's led you to where you are now.
1: Oh my goodness. It's it's such a long path. Um, You know, do I have a career? Um, I, I started doing hair, uh, right out of high school, um, because things were rough on the home front and it's a bit of a survival career in a way, meaning it doesn't require a lot of education. It doesn't require four years of university and all the money that goes with it. Um, and so I was really able to go from high school to beauty school to a a good steady job. A good, steady job. Yeah. And I started very simply in a strip mall in New Jersey, not far from where I went to beauty school and where my kind of community and network were. And I became a big fish in a small pond really fast. It was great. I had more money at my disposal than I'd ever had in my life. I had lots of freedom to do what I wanted, where I wanted, when I wanted. But the thing that I was finding wasn't happening for me. Or the opportunities I wanted that were kind of next level, change the world. They just don't come to strip malls in New Jersey very often. So I have a very dear friend of my grandmother's who took me by the shoulders and she said, if you don't get the fuck out of here, you're going to die in New Jersey in a strip mall.
0: Wow, that's intense. And said, yeah, and she was right.
1: You know, I, I tend to be a very, um, Like I'm a nurturer, I don't like to fail on people, I never want to let anyone down. I think that has a lot to do with having been let down a million ways by the people that were supposed to take care of me when I was growing up. And I just, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm hyper vigilant. Mm -hmm. But what happened for me there was I was afraid to leave that salon because I was worried about everyone there. I wasn't thinking about myself at all. And at a certain point, I sort of had to face the reality that if I didn't take better care of myself, I really was going to die in a strip mall in New Jersey, and that wasn't what I wanted for me. I don't mean to say that in a way that's a negative connotation. If someone's happy in some place that's, you know, big fish, small pond, I think it's fantastic. Even a small fish in a small pond is fantastic. It just wasn't for me. Yes. So I took the plunge, and I went to the top, I went to the fanciest salon in New York City where all the supermodels were going and um, I lasted about a week and a half.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've um, definitely had some and, jobs like that too.
1: <laughs> no, I, I was just very excited to be in the city and I was ready to share with everybody my big ideas. And the owner of the salon was like, are you out in your mind? Like, who asked you for feedback? Hmm. He said to me, this isn't a neighborhood salon in the West Village. You were on Madison Avenue and 59th Street. I had had recommended a margarita machine and a DJ on Thursday night. (laughs) And they were like, are you crazy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing.
1: And so they fired me. um, And I remembered what he said. This isn't a neighborhood salon in the West Village. So I went to a neighborhood salon in the West Village. And that's really where my career kind of took off in hairdressing. And through those relationships and networks that I developed behind the chair, the opportunities that have been afforded to me in uh, the world of art and design also came to fruition. Um, Because I think once I jumped into a more connected pool of people, You know, there's a ripple effect. Absolutely. And the opportunities that I wanted, like I said, they really weren't coming in the birds, but the people I was taking care of in Manhattan, you know, maybe their uncle was an art dealer or, you know what I mean? It was just like little contacts here, little contacts there, all leading to bigger contacts everywhere. And... Since then, I've managed to do just about everything humanly possible in the world of beauty. I have my work on the cover of just about every magazine in the world, um, which is insane to think about. Um, I've been backstage at fashion shows since the 90s. Uh, the last fashion show I think I put backstage at was the Victoria's Super Fashion Show in Paris, which is certainly questionable on the resume today, but let's not ignore. Like, you know, It's a pretty iconic gig.
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: And from that, it kind of led me to the art and design work that I get to do, like my wallpaper collection, and most recently the giant billboard I hung up on the side of the building over the high line that showcases my artwork in an attempt to direct attention to my small business.
0: Yeah, and so tell me a bit more about Wonderland and when... What the journey to starting that looked like.
1: Well, I had worked in a bunch of different salons at that point. I'm not gonna say a bunch, because I'm not a hopper. I'm I'm a pretty loyal guy. And um but I had worked in the very fancy, I had worked in the West Village neighborhood. And at a certain point I thought, how can I bring the best of all of these worlds together under one roof? I liked the quality of work coming out of a fancy salon, but I didn't like the culture. And I liked the culture of the neighborhood salon, but I felt like maybe the quality of the work wasn't everything that I aspired toward. So in 2005, I opened the doors on Michelangelo's Wonderland Beauty Parlor, which was located in the heart of the district. And we were there for just under 15 years. Um, it was quite an adventure. Uh, I think that maybe in retrospect, I bit off more than I could and or the universe wasn't ready to have me yet. Um, It was very, very hard to keep that afloat. Uh, Times kept changing and um, I had to stay nimble to deal with it. So economic downturn uh, was a huge shift for me. And I realized that between the downturn of the economy, rising rent, it didn't make sense to continue having, like, a giant beauty palace and that a smaller art studio fit me better and afforded me more opportunity to look away from the books and the record-keeping at um, more artistic endeavors.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned being nimble, and how do you feel that having a small business as opposed to a massive corporation allows you to be more nimble. I mean, of course the less steps or less people and hands to go through in the decision-making process, but beyond that as well.
1: You know, when you're trying to figure out what you should wear to an event and you ask like one person and they're one person that you really trust in your like okay, great, if so-and-so says the black jeans go so better with the go with the black jeans. Mm-hmm. But when you start asking 100 people what they think, maybe 30% of those people think the black jeans, 30% think the blue jeans, and the other 30% is like, why not a third? Yes. I think that in corporate culture, there's too much noise. Mm-hmm. I think there are too many cooks in the kitchen, and it takes everything so long to get done that it's usually by the time it reaches the masses, very diluted and um, kind of late to the game. So uh, that's a huge place where I just sort of look at the difference between the the two kind of models and cultures. But with a small business, like when there's a crisis, I didn't have to schedule a meeting with an army of people to decide what to do. I used my head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I scheduled a meeting with myself and I said, what are you going to do the Like the house on fire? Like, Do you pick up the phone and call six people and ask what they think or do you use your head and go, let's get the fuck out of this burning building and yeah. deal with the rest once we're on the floor?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so a lot of my audiences around my age in their early 20s starting out in their careers facing, of course, the challenges that come along with that. And you talked a bit about kind of sorting out challenges, but how do you feel like you've made the most out of challenges? Do you have any Um, tips for navigating? Well,
1: yeah, the things that I would say that really kind of stands out to me, I I really have trusted my um, inner voice. Mm Mm-hmm. There is that voice of common sense that we all have inside of us going, like, this guy is a jerk. This person is taking advantage of you. And then there's all that, like, sort of more superficial voice. It's like, oh, maybe you should be nice. Be more understanding. Let's give them a chance. Usually that inner voice is very right. And so I think that really trusting myself that I knew the best path for me, um, I think that's a major uh, uh, takeaway when I look back at my career. Through all the ups and downs and twists and turns, I have trusted myself. Yeah. And I can think back very early in my career, they said to me, Michael, you're in New York City now. You have to specialize in an aspect of beauty. You can't do cut and color. And what I hadn't even told them was that I secretly loved makeup more than anything. And oh. you know, they said, just you don't take color or cut. No one will ever take you seriously. Wow. And I was like, so I, I tried for a heartbeat to focus. And I was like, I felt like I was missing half the work. that I don't mean the work in terms of business. I mean the work in terms of what made things look good and old to me. Mm-hmm. And so I walked away from big opportunity because I knew it wasn't connecting with my heart that I felt like I was leaving people half done for someone else to kind of finish, didn't still right. And so today, I see people for color, cut, makeup, often in their um, personal needs for photography. I get to do that. It's, it's One of my great loves as an artist is portrait photography. To me, it's very obvious all connect: Your hair color, your hair cut, your makeup, and the final photo, if I'm doing my best job, really encapsulate you in a way that you can kind of visually present to someone who doesn't know you yet. They'll get a sense of, is she kind of relaxed? Is she a little bit more buttoned up? Um, you know, what there's so many visual cues we can give to describe something. And and that's what I love to do. So when people told me, Michael, are you a hairdresser or a photographer? Which is it? I said, I think we're both. Yeah. I never said I know because I don't, but I said, Mm -hmm. I think, and I'm going to try. And so a lot of my career has been like, what if, let's try. And, you know, some things you kind of keep doing more of, some things you leave behind, but I think it's really important to at least try the stuff that comes up. Otherwise, I think it eats at you and you never feel really um, old.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And actually I had a job at a boutique a few years ago and I was so set on having one career and my boss at that boutique was like, well, why would you limit yourself to one? You can, you can have lots of different careers in different time periods, or you can have different careers all at the same time. There's no reason to keep it so limited. And I also with what you were saying about um, following your intuition I have been thinking about that a lot lately because that's something I feel so strongly about in my personal life. I always listen to my gut and really follow that above all else. But in business, I felt like I had to think logically and that it wasn't okay to just follow my intuition above all. And that's kind of steered me wrong a few times now. So that's something I'm trying to now implement and really go with.
1: I try and envision, like, um, little buckets. I'm very usual with everything I do. I, I have a terrible time with words and numbers, letters and numbers. I think I might be a little dyslexic or maybe just ADHD. But um, so what I do is draw. Um, and so I think it's very important to have one bucket, that's your safety bucket. This is my backup plan. This is my worst case scenario. This is low as I'm willing to go. And then I think there's two more buckets. One is like what you're going to do right now, and is what one is what you're going to reach for in the future. And I think it's really helpful to know that you've got a goal and that you've got a fallback plan, because otherwise, it's too scary to try things. Like my fallback plan, I really think if everything went to hell, I would be okay in a trailer park. I imagine what my little trailer would look like. I think it would be so cute with flowers and maybe some flamingos and a kiddie pool. And I think before long, I would be the most popular guy in the trailer park. You
0: absolutely would. (laughs) I love that. And so
1: when I think about risk, I go, okay, worst case scenario, you go to the trailer park. Mm -hmm. Not so bad. But when we have just a giant black hole on the other side of risk, it makes it almost impossible to take a check.
0: I love that. And I love the, the three buckets. I've really never thought of it quite that way. And, and that really hits home for me. I love, I love that. Yay. Yes. And so a bit of a jump to a different topic, but tell me about yeah, yeah. what you're working on now. I'm so excited. We talked a little bit about the two projects you have coming out into the world in November, and I'd love for you to share a bit more about those.
1: Well, it's interesting because there two separate projects that go kind of hand-in-hand. Um, in the middle of the pandemic, I erected a 12-foot-tall billboard on the side of the building where I live in work, And it overlooks the High Line, so it's very, very visible. And the wall that it hangs on is a gray brick wall. And the art that I installed uh, is a Polaroid giant of the same wall. But in the Polaroid, the color of the bricks are kind of miraculous, pinks and blues and everything in between. And it says in great big letters across the center, you are beautiful.
0: Wow, I love that. And
1: I installed it mid-pandemic. We were coming out of riots here in the city, tons of protests, and entering gay pride. And what I saw all around me was people fighting so hard for what they believed in, and you know, I don't have a ton of money, I don't have phenomenal resources in that way, but I was able to put that sign up as the real vote of, like, hey, everyone, I, I love you and I support you. I see the beauty of your effort. Mm-hmm. I found hair and makeup and things like that for a living. I hope that what I've done in this work has really said, like, you are beautiful. Not you have to come to a place and buy beautiful but you are beautiful. We sell haircuts and hair color. They don't make you more or less beautiful. They change the color and length of your hair. I sincerely believe that beauty is internal and innate. Um, nobody can give it or take it away. We can tap into it more and less, but it's not something that anyone else has um, authority over. Mm. So, that said... Over the course of the year, I've been looking at how people have interacted with that art, how they've shared it, what they've told me it meant to them. So it's the cool thing about art. Like, I know what it meant for me when I was doing it and installing it. It's very interesting to see how other people respond and react. For example, I chose pink and blue uh, because everything I
0: do, I use uh, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black, like, printuring. It's kind of like a, I don't know, techno rainbow.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, those are the uh, inks that come out of a printer that kind of make everything just like in life, you know, the rainbow spectrum makes all the colors in reality. But for people that are transgender, I learned that that color combination and verbiage meant a lot to them. When I talk about the spectrum between things and blue, somebody came out to me and told me that she has always been on the spectrum for autism, and that hearing me talk about that spectrum... Um, was meaningful for her. Mm-hmm. And I think about all of the folks in the world who are on a spectrum between really conservative, between rich and poor, between smart and maybe not so smart. Like, we're all on a spectrum, right? Um are between good and bad, like sometimes in a dick. And I think that if you can't kind of love yourself in all of those different ways, I don't mean to prove yourself, And I don't mean congratulate yourself when you're an ass, but I mean love yourself and say, honey, it's okay, you made a dick move today. It doesn't mean you're a dick. Yes. But you can love yourself, like, everywhere in that spectrum. It's incredibly liberating. So this November, what I have coming will be an installation on the High Line in Light, coupled with, for retail, a scented candle, which will be my first consumer goods product ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've done, I've done souvenirs. I've done things to kind of partner with um, when I've had art installations. we have printed up t-shirts and exhibition like, catalogs and buttons and stickers. But this feels very really different. It is a real consumer goods product. Um, so what I did was I took the really beautiful art that's on the wall and I used it to design the packaging and the container for the candle, and the feelings that I was having inspired the fragrance. Hmm. Uh, the fragrance for the candle uh, was really about kind of feeling white light, and I just was imagining as I was designing this candle, sort of everyone lighting them together, and this, this sort of aromatherapeutic, feeling white light, sort of self love moments we really would connect us and then in my imagination i i am a storyteller and so in, in a sense when i work on a creative project i need a little story to get me along the way mm-hmm. so i imagine everybody's got their candles lit and on november 20th uh of this year we'll put the switch on this installation in light that i've done uh in partnership with the highline uh it is a holiday lighting in the style of a gender reveal. Uh, the title of the work is It's a Tree, and we'll be lighting a 25-foot holly tree uh, in pink and blue, uh and that'll stay lit from November 20th through to January 6th, and it'll screen open to the public on the High Line. Um, and with that work, what we're looking at, what I'm looking at, again, is, is uh, giving people a place to meditate on their own individual spectrum and giving themselves all a little bit of freedom to let go of solar extremes and find a peaceful place that's somewhere centered and grounded.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And it must be so rewarding to have your work. I know the current work is right on your your building and then to have it on the High Line so close to your home. It must be really rewarding to watch people take in your work. Do you get to Uh, see a lot of people looking at it?
1: Yep, I can hang off my fire escape and see people through the work. I see people gather their friends and family for a picture in front of it. I see it posted getting tags on Instagram. Um, It's it's just delightful. And once in a while, like, you lean out the window and say hi to people. It makes me feel good.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That gives me chills to think about being able to, yeah, watch people be so moved by something you put out there. I love that. That's amazing. Um, And so the candle comes out um, around the same time as the Highline project, correct? Correct. Okay.
1: And and so proceeds from the sale of the candle and um, uh, education directed from the installation on the High Line will both support the Alley Forney Center. Are you familiar with their work?
0: No, I'm not. I'd love for you to tell us a bit about that.
1: So the Alley Forney Center is based here in New York City. It is an uh, organization that exists to protect LGBTQIA buses young folks um, protection from the harms of homelessness helps build um, empowering paths out
0: oh wow that's that's amazing work I'll definitely look more into so that too they serve over 70,000 meals a year to
1: LGBTQIA plus kids aged between 16 and I think 25 don't quote me on that maybe it's 22 hmm. um, there is an completely inordinate number of uh, queer youth that is displaced from their homes from lack of acceptance. The murder rate for trans and non-binary people is staggeringly out of sync with um, the rest of the population. Uh, and it's the reason we're choosing to light the tree on November 20th, it's the Trans Day of Remembrance. It's a day that we take some time out to think about how many folks, trans folks, uh, are murdered every year and I guess in my own way it's, it's like showing up at the Thanksgiving table and dropping a bit of mom. Um, I hope that it's a reminder for people as we enter a very complicated time of year that not everyone has it um, comfortable that not everybody has a mom and a dad and a Santa mm-hmm. that with some households it's your friends, it's your neighbors, some households are in Christmas or Hanukkah some households are in either, some households celebrate both, and I just wanted to kind of create a moment somewhere during the season that was outside, but still inclusive. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside of like the the sort of binary qualities, and create a space that anybody who's celebrating and who's not celebrating anything has a place to go and take a picture and give a hug even if it's to themselves and just know that they are considered beautiful by someone
0: yeah that's so so lovely and I was actually planning a trip back home to New York I was thinking early November but I think I'm gonna to have to come a little later so I can see in person because yeah I really look forward to seeing that and also to getting a candle
1: well, text me. I'll hang my head out
0: the window and, and <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, um, the candles
1: will be available for sale. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to ship to Canada. I think we mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't imagine that, that would be super really tough. But I also haven't looked very carefully at what COVID has done to shipping. Um, but those will be available. Honestly, um, the easiest place to find them is my Instagram. Okay, sounds good. at M underscore R underscore Angelo. I I guarantee I will be talking way too much about them through the holiday season.
0: (laughs) Well, sounds good. And I'll I'll link your Instagram in the show notes for anyone who wants to take a look as well. Um, Thank you. And then just one more thing before we kind of wrap things up is... We talked a bit about jumping into all different things and not limiting yourself to one path. We talked a little yeah. bit about this on our little pre-recording call, um, about the confidence to jump into things and where you feel like that comes from, or if it e- even is confidence that it does come from. That's
1: interesting. So, two things of to mind when you're asking that question. One of my names is Michael Angelo. Not directly, but, you know, not the Ninja Turtle, the Renaissance (laughs) artist. And so when I think about, like, you know, I'm doing hair and I'm doing art and I'm writing copy. I think Michelangelo, he was an architect, he was a painter, he was a sculptor, he was a poet. Um, I don't think anyone questions that. So in my back pocket, I always go, I'm Michelangelo, damn you. (laughs) <laughs> don't you tell me I have to focus.
0: I um, love that. The
1: other piece is regarding confidence. The truth is, sometimes I don't have confidence. I just put on a good act, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important to note. That really, I don't think confidence is something innate. I mean, I guess to a degree it is. If you've grown up in a very sort of safe and stable environment, you probably feel a little more safe. I never really feel safe. So what I've learned how to do is put on a great, great front, jump in with both feet and then, depending on how I land, build the story from there.
0: yeah. <laughs> i I love that though, because, you know, for myself at twenty two, i I feel the same way. Like while it may seem like I'm confident to get started with different things, it's not really that I feel confident. I just jump in and do it anyways. And so I always kind of felt like, oh, well, I'll reach a point where that will change. Like I'll just feel completely confident in my abilities at some point. But I think that's not necessarily the case. And it's okay to just jump into things even if you don't feel 100% confident in it.
1: Yeah, because you know what? I think worst case scenario, I go to the trailer park.
0: Yes, the three buckets. You no. Know? Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess like having those buckets help in terms of me putting on that confidence show. I still can't just jump and If you totally fucked this up,
0: you know, you thought the family part to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And so um, I think that's kind of everything I wanted to with you um i will link like i said your instagram in the show notes i'd love for everyone to check out the projects you have coming up and is there anything else you'd like to share oh my
1: goodness jasmine you've such a thorough job of getting through all of that i i think got it covered.
0: okay amazing thank you so much michael thank i i i, I love this episode thank
1: you for having me on i'm so glad to um, be able to talk a little bit more about this stuff
0: yeah. Yay. Okay. I can't wait for it to be released.
1: We do. Looking forward to it.
0: Yay. Okay. Enjoy your day, Michael. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks,
1: my friend. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay. Bye.
1: Bye.